0: welcome to another episode of live from the blue seats i'm your host rob joined today just by dave as becky is a late scratch due to some uh let's call them day job or real job commitments but We're so happy to be back with you for the third season of this podcast. Obviously, we started it before the pandemic, actually, in January of 2020. Had a little bit of time off, um, but are really looking forward to uh, getting going here in our third season uh, with a Rangers team, Dave, that I think it's safe to say has gone fully through a rebuild and is now in kind of contender mode, right? Compete for a Stanley Cup. So um, as we jump into our, uh, let's call this our 2022-23 season preview episode. Just what are your general thoughts? Uh, Well, let's start with this first. How was your summer?
1: My summer was pretty good. I got to admit, I enjoyed an August that mostly was social media and hockey free. Nice break didn't hurt me, and I spent it mostly by the pool. But I am happy that it's back now that it's getting colder. And the pool is closed, so that makes it hockey season for me.
0: Yeah, and the Rangers took us into the hot months last year by playing uh, into the sixth game of the Eastern Conference Finals. Obviously, it was a little bit uh, of a later-running season due to the uh, you know the domino effect of the of the previous season running into the summer and all that stuff. But we had a full season, um, and the Rangers got us to mid June by by you know, putting together an incredible playoff run. We obviously broke that all down at the end of last year. So we don't need to rehash all that because, look, it's a brand new season. And, you know, I, I kind of wanted to turn the um, the script for a preview episode on its head a little bit. You know, normally you talk through some storylines, uh, you, know, you know, you maybe pick out a camp storyline to watch. You take a look at some young players that you're excited to see. And then you save the predictions for the end. But, Dave, I want to skip right to the pr- predictions. Let's start there. And I want to do it. Uh, in the uh, kind of the new-fashioned way revolving around uh, sports betting, right? And so without calling out a specific site or a specific book, I did, just before we jumped on here, uh, look up the over-under point totals for the NHL season. And I want to sort of start there uh, as we discuss the Rangers. So the Rangers are, uh, you know, on some, this is on some aggregator site. I don't even, not even worth saying the name, but if you Google NHL point total over-unders, this is one of the first results that comes up. The Rangers are set, at least on this site, uh, to have an over-under of 99.5 points. Firstly, how do you feel about that number? And secondly, like I said, let's cut right to the chase. Are they going over or under? What do you think their final point total will be uh, at the end of this regular season? First off,
1: any site that has the Rangers at 99.5, hammer that over. That's just way Hmm. too low. The Rangers, I I don't even remember how many points they finished with last year. I think it was 110, give or take. Uh You're telling me that the Rangers are going to finish with five fewer wins this year, 10 fewer points with an improved depth roster and one that doesn't have to rely on not not generational, this was beyond elite, beyond generational. It was historic level goaltending from Shesterkin last year. So, this is a team that's not going to have to rely on him, you know, carrying the team for eight months of the season. They're going to finish well over that. I think they're going to win the division. 115 points. Book it.
0: Okay, and, and so, Wow. That's a big number. I mean, you're talking at least – because they won 52 games last year. I think they'll get more overtime uh, losses
1: this year as opposed to last – they lost a lot in regulation last year. That's where I think those extra five points are going to come from. Maybe an extra win or two. But book it. At the very least, they're going to match last year. I put it at 115.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the interesting thing about that is if you look at the standings from last year, I don't have them directly in front of me, but 100 points is pretty much the cut line now for the playoffs. Right. I mean, you kind of need in order to assure yourself of a playoff spot, at least you need to basically get to 100 points. You've got to have 45, 46, 47 wins. Plus, like you said, Dave, a- enough overtime losses to kind of get you over the line. Um, and obviously, you know, not losing in regulation, as, as silly as that sounds, and we can debate the loser point. Uh, we, we usually stay away from such topics on this particular podcast, but that's a fertile ground for debate in many hockey circles. Um, you know, look, that's the system. And, and, and teams who don't lose often in regulation are usually good teams, right? Uh, you know, even if you're having an off night, the difference between a good team and a great team is that maybe they can have the game tied at the end of 60 minutes get that point, And then if they lose in overtime, so be it. Um, but back to my original point, you kind of need to be a hundred point team to make the playoffs now, roughly. So, and now look, maybe the Eastern Conference comes down a little bit. I mean, the, the, as we know, the East last year was an absolute bear. Um, even though uh, Colorado ended up winning the cup, the West was overall uh, the weaker conference. The East was was a it was a buzzsaw, and I think you know part of the reason that Colorado had such an easy time with Tampa is that Tampa had to go through the ringer of uh, in their playoff series. I mean, I know they swept Florida, but the Rangers were not easy on them. And I'm trying to remember who they played in their other series. Um, Whoever beat Toronto, I can't even remember now. Who beat Toronto?
1: Uh, no, Tampa beat Toronto. Who?
0: Yeah, and then uh, right, Tampa beat Toronto, and then. Oh, so they played Toronto and Florida, right. So they played Toronto, Florida Rangers. All of those teams are top-class teams. The Rangers played Pittsburgh, uh, of course, who you know we always think is on the down slope, but they end up, you know, as long as Crosby's there, I think they're going to be pretty good. And they played Carolina, who was, in, you know, among a lot of people's, uh, in a lot of people's estimation, they were the best team in the conference, top to bottom, um, even though I think the Rangers outplayed them for uh, a decent amount of that, that seven-game series. Point is, is that... If you're setting the Rangers line at 99.5 points, that to me means you have them as a bubble playoff team. So Dave, I have to agree with you in the sense that I don't think they're a bubble team. Uh, and I hate to use the word lock on, uh, as we record this on <laughs> September 28th, but the Rangers, unless they have a huge uh, regression from Shisterkin, a, a long list of of key injuries at bad times in the season... Um, and otherwise pretty awful luck, I cannot see this team missing the playoffs. So for that reason, I would go over, but I have to say I'm not quite as optimistic as you are. I think they're probably more in like the 100, 400, point range as opposed to 115. I do expect some regression only because there was a little bit of, uh, you know, save percentage. Uh, let's not call it save percentage. Let's call it Igor Magic on their side last year that, you know again, he was so otherworldly that maybe he just comes back to straight-up elite as opposed to generational, as you said before. But I could be wrong, and if he does that again, they probably blow right through that point total. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't think this is a team that's on the playoff bubble either. I think they're good enough to get there and have a week or two of the season to spare. Yeah, for they're sure. going to
1: get a lot of people some rest, kind of like how they did last year. They had two weeks ish to kind of coast. They knew where they were. They weren't catching Mm -hmm. Carolina in the division. They knew that. So they started resting people here and there guys that needed the rest, guys that were banged up. Um, Aaron judge just hit his 61st home run, by the way. Yeah. That just happened right now, which, uh, you know, we start recording and it's a 61st. (laughs) Maybe we should just record tomorrow and hit number 62 and we'll call it a day.
0: Uh, There you go. Uh, Wow. Well, that's pretty momentous sports news. And, you know, obviously, if you're listening to this on Thursday morning, you already know about it. You've probably seen it. But uh, I'll be certainly rushing to that highlight as soon as we're done recording here. Um, You know, it's funny, Dave, you bring up the the rest and how they, you know, uh, in hindsight, you kind of look back. Yeah, they weren't going to catch Carolina. But that does bring up an interesting point. One, I hope, is one that they learn from. If you remember, they had that game at the Garden against Carolina, and I believe the teams were tied in the division or, or the Rangers were behind by two points, and they could have tied with a win. And they kind of rushed. Uh, Andrew Kopp was banged up. I think Panarin had set out a game. They kind of rushed those two back, and they played their full lineup. I believe they lost the game, and Kopp got hurt again. And then Panarin, you know, look, uh, they didn't say anything about an injury in the in the aftermath of last season, but I think he was pretty banged up. There was certainly heavy speculation that he was banged up. Again, normally the Rangers come out and they, you know, most teams will come out and tell you what the injuries were, who's having surgery in the offseason. They didn't say anything about Panarin. So if we take them at their word or lack of word, there was no injury there. But he was banged up going into that game. So was Cop, um, like I said. And we know Strom was dealing with that pelvic issue for a majority of the second didn't half. Didn't he of the year. have surgery All too? All those guys played in the Rangers. Strom had of, surgery, didn't he? Who did? And the yes, Rangers did. didn't report yes. that or there was somebody. No, that can't. Or did that came. Did Cop have out.
1: surgery? There was somebody on the Rangers that had off-season surgery that we didn't know about. Un- Cop had surgery. Okay, I mean, it okay, okay been I'm him. getting my uh, guys who are no longer with the Rangers mixed up.
0: <laughs> right. But point being, Dave, and, and I think this is, I'm glad you brought this up, even though, again, we're, we're, we're going to end up being more focused on October, November uh, in the coming weeks. But, you know. If, as we cast our gaze towards, you know, what we hope is a successful season and the end of that season leading into the playoffs, I, I don't think, I hope they learn from that and that, that, they, that they don't, you know, go for a division. If that's the the only thing that they have left to play for, if it means sacrificing the health or the playoff viability of some key players, just err on the side of caution and sit those guys out. That's a huge lesson learned because Cop was noticeably hurt and ineffective in a lot of games. Strome was quite ineffective throughout the playoffs and Panarin looked pretty pedestrian uh, for a lot of the season and and, and a lot of the playoffs so um, I would be happy and I think fans would be happy if hey you know they finish four or five points lower they miss a division crown but they go into the playoffs more healthy
1: I'll I I listen I want a division title and I think they can win the division this year but if we get to you know end of March early April and they're three four points out with five games left yeah in theory it's doable but it's not realistic in the new NHL with the loser point so I'd rather them rest their guys we've seen the top seeds never actually well not never very rarely actually make it through win a cup I Colorado did not win the president's trophy Florida did And I'd rather a full-rested team that is playoff-tested and ready for the playoffs than going for a half-measure. And that's what a division title is without, at the very least, a run to the cup final. That's a half-measure.
0: Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. Um, So we'll see. I think—so we're both in the—we're in the same boat in terms of that, you know, 99.5 points is is a pretty low projection for the Rangers— I don't want to get into the details here, but I know that uh, the athletic model has the Rangers coming in below that at 95 points. I think we're aligned here, Dave, that that's way too low. And, and you know, you had a little Twitter thread about how those models work and why they maybe don't favor the Rangers. But maybe you just want to elaborate on that. And then yeah, I, on. I mean, listen, the stat guys that come up with this, dumb,
1: lots of consonants, um... I can't pronounce his last name, and I'm sorry if this gets back to him, Dom. I'm sorry, I can't pronounce your last name. Um, They're based off of what is known, and the Rangers are a lot of unknown. And what is known is they were a power play and a goalie for the majority of last year. Well, we have to call a spade a spade at this point. And they had significant depth issues. Listen, when Greg McHagg is playing on your third line for more than one game, there's a problem. The Rangers addressed it. Their numbers got mm-hmm. better. Um, they they look like shit against Pittsburgh, i got to be honest with you. They looked great against Carolina. Tampa just wore them out. But what we saw from the Rangers at the back end of last season with a complete team, is the floor for what we'll see from the Rangers this year with a more complete team. And that's what these models don't take into account is the unknown of Lafreniere, Kako, Kravsoff, Heedle taking the next step. Keandre Miller taking the next step. I think Dom's model had Keandre Miller at a 0.6 war wins above replacement, which anybody who watches mm-hmm. Keandre Miller play knows that. Yeah, he was a little pedestrian in the first half of the season, but he was the Rangers' best defenseman for the second half of the season and throughout the playoffs. Better than Adam Fox. Yep. He's not going to finish with a 0.6 war. I can assure you of that. So with those guys stepping up, we'll see Chris Kreider come down from 52 goals. We know that. We'll see Shesterkin not post a 940 save percentage, but the depth – And just not having Patrick Nemeth on the team and not having Greg McKegg on the team and having 14 bottom six players that we can plug in that are at the very least replacement level, say for one or two guys, that matters. And that's something the models can't really predict. And that's why it's all nuance and all grain of salt because even, I think Dom actually said it, there's a lot of unknowns with this team. I'm being, perhaps I'm being rose colored glasses saying the Rangers are going to win the division, finish with 115 points, and win the Cup. Maybe I'm blind. I think this team's ceiling is the moon.
0: I mean, listen, I I think every fan, everybody in the Rangers organization, everyone has reason to be very optimistic going into the season based on what happened last year for all the reasons you just stated. And the fact that Again, you know, I think it's pretty much uh, uh, kind of common knowledge, agreed upon by most folks, that the East is going to be a little bit weaker. And, and I mean, you look around at some of the moves that were made. I mean, you know, Ryan McDonough is no longer with the Tampa Bay Lightning, for instance. Crosby, Malkin, and Latang all re-signed with Pittsburgh. Obviously, they 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 believe they are pulling their version of the uh, the last dance. The whole Michael combined John age, one we'll about that. Years what I see. There. I was just going to say, what I see is a bunch of guys who are just a little bit older in a league that's getting faster and faster. Um, Carolina, uh, you know, they lose Tony D'Angelo. Yes, terrible human being, somebody we don't really like, but a very effective player. And he was, you know, replaced by Brent Burns, who is old and not very good anymore. They also lost Vincent Trocheck, and he went to a division rival, the Rangers. So, uh, and again, the, you know, the Capitals, I think a lot of people uh, – you know, I, I think there's reason to believe they'll they'll come back a little bit, uh, fall fall a little bit, and they they were really not considered a threat in the playoffs at all last year, and they were very quite easily beaten by the Panthers in the first round. Um, and the Islanders, I mean, the Islanders look like they could be one of the worst teams in the league. I, they look completely direct. And look, I'm not really I'm saying that because the Rangers did just spank them in a preseason game. Yes, it was a preseason game. Yes, the Islanders only dressed what probably eight or nine of their actual starters, where the Rangers had a few more. Uh, in the mix there in their first home game of the preseason. But,
1: uh, you know,
0: the Islanders really have not done anything to improve their team. They're they're another team that's just gotten a little bit older. They always were one of those teams that, you know, kind of got by on guile and got by on really good defense because because they had one of the best coaches in the league in Barry Trotz. He's no longer there. It's Elaine Lambert, a first-time NHL head coach. So, there's a lot of reason to believe the islanders may not be a factor at all now look the devils could make a move uh forward the 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 blue jackets add johnny gaudreau but i'm looking at this division and i agree with you dave the rangers should be the the odds-on favorite or it's a coin flip between them and carolina and then there's a pretty steep drop off in class from there um and then yeah i mean maybe the atlantic got slightly better in some areas but uh, the east looks a little bit weaker to me for sure this year um I want to pivot now to the Rangers, the team itself, and we have a bunch of great questions, which I want to get to right away because that's going to make up a, a bulk of the discussion here for the rest of the show. But I just want uh, Dave, you to just call out the the, the one storyline, I suppose, that you're paying the most attention to this preseason, uh, and and what do you think? What do you think that is, and how how is it going to the shake? Storyline
1: I'm paying attention to. Oh, I was not prepared for this question, even though I mean, you told other. me about it before we started. I listen, and I'm like, I
0: don't know what the hell I'm so going to say to one, this. <laughs> the obvious one is the third, the 3LD spot, which is like a very— I'm not touching uh, that with a 10-foot pole. I mean, every team has two or three— sp- <laughs> I'm not touching that. Right. Well, and also every team has two or three spots at the bottom of the roster that people just don't know about. Uh, you know, and, and, and those are the things that everybody talks about. And ultimately, you're talking about a player, whether it's Zach Jones or—I mean, we hope not, but we, or Libor Hayek or whoever— uh, for the first forty games of the year, is going to play fourteen to sixteen minutes next to Braden Schneider, who's pretty much a lock for the the right the right side on the third pair. Um, and then if it's not good enough from whoever wins that spot, the Rangers will go out and upgrade that position at the trade deadline. That's just how they will operate because I I don't want to be so dismissive or simplistic here, but. The three LD spot on their roster is—it's a small problem to have because the top four set and the top four is really good, and the top four is going to play sixty-five to seventy percent of every game, more. Probably going to play seventy to seventy-five percent of the minutes in every game. So, you know, fine. Let's 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 not go there. I mean, we could go to Jimmy Vesey for a little a little bit. Who looks good? Who looks like uh, he has a defined role as a defense-first bottom six player? I do have some minor concerns that. He is seen as a um, stopgap in the top six if the coaches get pissed with the performance of the young players, rightly or wrongly. That's probably going to happen at some point this season. Someone's going to see time on the third or fourth line. Someone may even spend a game or two in street clothes. Ranger Twitter will melt down. We'll all do the usual song and dance, and then everybody will come to their senses 48 hours later. Happens 10 times a year. But uh, I think bringing Jimmy VZ on would be fine. I think he supplants Dryden Hunt at that point. Um, even though the you know the smart move would be, even though they'll never do this, would be to 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 you know basically release or uh, you know send Ryan Reeves to the minors and bury his cap hit in the AHL. The Rangers would actually save some cap space if they um, signed VZ to a league minimum deal and, and buried Reeves. I, someone posted the number on Twitter. I can't remember who it is. Sorry if I stole your content there, but um, that would be a logical move. And then you have a, a VZ slash hunt for thirteenth forward type thing. Um, so. You know, I don't know, Dave, there's that. There's Gustav Riedahl, who's looked pretty good in a couple of games. You know, what's catching your eye so far? And it could be, it could be something totally off So
1: the you said Jimmy Vesey, and that is what got me thinking. I'm actually looking at Cap Friendly right now, just so that I can figure it out. And the story I'm watching is Sammy Blay. Mm-hmm. Nobody's talking about Sammy Blay because he hasn't played in a preseason game yet, and... The only time he got any attention was that hot second he was on the top right wing spot with Kreider and Zibanejad for that like two, three days of practice before they changed the lines up. And I got to admit, I'm reading tea leaves on a couple of the first games. I don't know where Blay fits in anymore. Um, So we have Kako, who played the first game with Kreider and Zibanejad. He looked good. He looked very good. You have Lafreniere mm-hmm. in a game where neither Kreider nor Zibanejad played, but he still played on the right wing. So they're looking at Lafreniere as a right winger. And he looks great there, too. He's a number one overall pick. He looked like a number mm-hmm. one overall pick. You have Kravtsov, who's obviously a right winger, and he got time with Hedl in a game and with Panarin and Trocek in practice. So there's your top nine. Well, there's eight of your top nine, I should say. You look at that third line. Jimmy Vesey right now is playing his way onto the roster. That third line, if it's Hedl and Kravtsov or Heedle and Kako, whomever it may be, that's going to be a sheltered third line scoring option, something the Rangers sorely needed last year. Which means that fourth line is a shutdown line. Sammy Blay is not a shutdown player. So VZ makes this team in a sheltered scoring role. I know it's not the defensive role you want, but he can chip in, and that line is not going to be, you know, this defensive juggernaut anyway. They're uh, they're not going to be defensively inept, I should say, sorry. They're not going to be a, def- no. a shutdown line, no, but they're I'm not going to be defensively say. inept. And VZ will help that. Heedle's a great two-way player. Both Kako and Kravsov are just, they're underappreciated in their defensive play, especially Kravsov, because we don't know but we saw him in the first two games he was great mm-hmm. in all three zones so both of them can play that
0: yeah well it's it's funny too about you say that about Kravtsov, and that's kind of been my one takeaway and I, you know I've I've watched I watched most of the first preseason game and then the second game I was kind of flipping back and forth uh, you know with some baseball becky's obviously paying close attention to the mets uh, watching the Aaron Judge chase um So, uh, but Kravtsov uh, and and I even remember from his first, you know, uh, cameo with the Rangers two seasons ago during the the pandemic year. um, You know, his offense hasn't really popped yet, and I know it's there. I mean, we've all seen the KHL clips, and he's put up some nice numbers as a young player in in the KHL, which is the second best league in the world. Um, So we know there's offense there, but his defense always stands out to me every time I watch him. He's he's really clever with his stick. He gets involved physically. He's in the right spot. He knows how to break the puck out with possession, so it's kind of funny, you know. You often the the you know the the uh, the old uh, the old man take on a guy like Kravtsov is usually like, oh, he doesn't understand the, the quote unquote North American game, and that is kind of code for he doesn't try on defense. And that's a lot um, of crap. And, uh, sad to say, it sounds like a well, it it is, of course it is. But that's my yeah. point. I'm calling out the hypocrisies, and there's I think unfortunately there's a lot of coaches that feel this way about European and specifically Russian players. Kravtsov's actually quite good defensively and so to your point Dave I think if the third line happens to be VZ Hedel Kravtsov I think that line almost could uh, be a low-key shutdown line that yes can pop in goals the other route they could go is to keep the kid line together which you know Gallant hinted is something that he you know he could do Um, in which case that that kind of gives your uh, that that kind of gives Sammy Blay the opportunity that you were speaking about but if they don't think he can keep up with Mika and Kreider, especially coming off of a serious injury, then then you're right. That that kind of throws all of that into flux. And I think that they're lining up insurance policies on Sammy Blay. I mean, I think so that's. So Sammy Blay hasn't
1: sure. played a full season of hockey since Obama was president. And right, I'm I I love the way he plays. He's hard on the forecheck. He gets into the dirty areas. He will force turnovers down low. I love the way he plays. And I think that if he were to ever be healthy for 82 games, he could play a middle six role and chip in 40 points. I really think that. And I think he's a useful, great, complementary player to a third-line sheltered scoring line that needs to, at the very least, keep the puck in the offensive zone. And you put Blay there with... Heedle and Kaka or Crafts whomever that is, they'll do that. They'll start in the offensive zone. They'll finish in the offensive mm-hmm. zone. Assuming Blay gets yeah. hurt, and at this point we have a lot of documented proof that he's gonna get hurt. VZ will step right in. Right. He keeps Barclay Goodrow on the fourth line with Readall. I'm butchering his name again.
0: Or right now it's Gustav Riedahl. Or, or Carpenter, who who hasn't looked... Carpenter just looks like a right-handed Kevin Rooney to me, which is fine. He's Better kind metrics. of tall, lanky, like Rooney, Better metrics. kind of skates. Yeah. Better metrics, now, for sure. I'm
1: yeah. okay with... Um, but, they signed Riedahl to, to play. I mean, after looking at the way he played in the first game, um, again, I didn't really watch the second one either, but the first preseason game, he's got wheels. He's not afraid to get into dirty areas. He four-checks. He plays a game that... Galant wants to play. I'm okay with Carpenter as the 13th forward. With Dryden Hunt f- filing out, filling out, sorry, that fourth line, you get Goodrow, you get Riedel, Riedel, you whatever. You get Hunt. You keep Carpenter as your 13th forward. Reeves is not playing an everyday role. Goodrow stays on the fourth line. And if it's Vizi who wins that spot. Blay is not a shutdown line player. He's never had good defensive metrics. So where the hell is Sammy Blay going to play on a on a fully yeah. healthy That's Rangers team? Point. We're going to have injuries. Blay will play.
0: Right. Um or Blay will get injured. <laughs> well, right. And also, you know, as you I think you alluded to this as well on Twitter on Wednesday uh in regards to, you know, the Rangers are very hesitant to uh, basically, take a loss on a guy that they've invested in, whether that's Hayek, whether that's—I mean, you know—maybe hopefully to their benefit with Kravtsov. I think the same thing with Blay. Look, they know the infamous Pavel Buchnevich trade. They want to make that work as as badly as possible. Um, they they don't they do not want to give up on Sammy Blay. And to his credit, every, you know, everything that we know about Blay, great team guy, seems very likable worked his ass off, was, was trying to get back on the ice. I think if the Rangers were to advance to the Stanley Cup final, he might have tried to give it a go. Uh, you know, he was skating, if you remember, during that third-round series. He wasn't practicing, but he was on the ice pretty much every day because I think his thought in his mind, he was like, hey, at least let me be an option, right, in case things go, you know. I mean, like we saw Dryden Hunt play in game six of the conference finals. Co- coaches will do crazy things with their lineup because they're desperate to turn the tide of a series. Uh, so, I think Blay wanted to make himself an option. So, the guy worked his ass off. The Rangers aren't going to cut bait with him and be like, sorry, we're handing your spot to Jimmy Veezy, who, you know, was drafted out of college and, you know, was, you know, projected to be a 20, 25, maybe 30 goal scorer and literally never scored more than 12 goals in a season um, and has become fine. He's become a useful defensive, uh, you know, bottom six and, and penalty kill type player. But I think you're right. I think they want to give Sammy Blay a shot. But I think that that may be delayed this year, too, due to the knee. Um, and due to his kind of injury history. So we'll see. Um, I want to get to the questions here, Dave, because there were quite a few. Uh, We put the call out just before we started recording, got a lot of uh, interaction, which is always great. So thanks to everybody. I also want to thank the person who responded to this uh, prompt for questions and said, no one, and I mean no one, listens to your shit podcast. That's the first reply we get. Maybe not the first reply, but that's one of the replies. I love idiots like that. I mean, you're literally spending
1: time in your
0: day to
1: create an anonymous account, tweet at us. It's It's obviously a burner, 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 but they're taking the time to do this. And it's just like, buddy, you're probably 15, 16 years old for starters. You probably haven't gotten laid yet. You're probably getting picked on a lot and bullying is bad. But go outside. Do something with your life. Jerk off for all I care. Do something with your life. I'm 38 years old. I got a kid. I got a mortgage. I don't care about your stupid fucking tweet. This is why he's one of the reasons why I basically muted all of my replies except for people I follow. And I feel bad for some of the ones that are actually like good replies, and I'll go fish those out. But like, go do something with your life,
0: do something productive. I'll just come out and say this, Dave. Like, even if we had zero listeners, which we don't, uh, it's not a large group. Uh, I'll admit, but we we have more than zero. Even if we had zero listeners, I think I'd still do this. I have fun with it. We love talking about the Rangers. You know, you, me, and Becky. We've gotten Connell on. We've had Rob Luker on. We've had our friend Jess Laporte on. We've had Arthur Staple, a bona fide beat writer, on. We had Vince Mercagliano on a couple of years ago. So uh, we're trying to get Steve Valiquet on. We, we can't, had, the
1: Rangers uh, will never allow uh,
0: Valiquet. Never. This he went on stage. But that's podcast. a that's
1: a legitimate beat writer. So, We're just know. idiots with a microphone. Let's be real here. Um,
0: that's true. And I'm I love be one being of one of those idiots. Anyway, we've given that. Also, guy too
1: much time. one of the things I want to point yeah. out when this blog first started, December two thousand eight, I think it was forty to fifty hits a day. I remember the first time we got to a hundred hits for the first day, just because Riverhead Blues linked us, and I think I hit five hundred. That was when it was just me. I was ecstatic. Now I think awesome. I think we get a hundred views every like ten minutes. So it, it takes time. Yeah, it's awesome. And hey, if nobody listens yet, okay, we have a smaller viewing. We're entertaining enough, or at least I think we're entertaining enough that it'll grow and it'll go from there. So fuck you, guy.
0: Hey, listen, like I said, probably given. Oh too yeah, much def- time, def- uh, definitely. It is, but it's wants, fun making fun of anyway. trolls. I, I enjoy it. Indeed. Uh, So anyway, uh, the real questions we got, I'm just going to go in the order they came in. Uh, So this is from Mark Panzer at PANS, P-A-N-Z 21. Uh, Which player do you think might break out or surprise this year that maybe isn't being talked about so much? So like Keandre Miller is not uh, up for discussion here because he's obviously gotten a lot of buzz. On the flip side, who are you most worried about that might not meet expectations or their potential? Uh, and we can't say something like Kreider's only going to score 40 goals. That, that would not qualify. So part one, day for you. We'll, let's let's uh, both answer it uh, part by part here. Who do you think might break out or surprise this year that isn't being talked about as much? So kind of a Vinny sleeper Truchuk. for this season. Wow, okay. I know we all hate the contract. And th- the
1: reason why I said him is that he's not being talked about. We all talk about the kids, Kaka, Lafreniere, Kravtsov, to a lesser extent, Heedle, obviously Miller. Trocheck with Panarin is going to put up in not insane numbers. He's going to put up really good numbers. I'm pulling up his career numbers right now. Last year, 21 goals, 51 points. I think he'll match his, I think he'll get close to his 2017-2018 season with Florida where he put up 31 goals and 75 points playing with Panarin. Mhm. And at the very least, it looks like he's going to start on on the first power play unit, which I don't necessarily agree with. But I think it's Trocek, and people are going to forget about that contract for now.
0: Yeah, at least for a few years. I I think he's going to be somewhere in the 65-70 point range as well. I feel very bullish on him this year. I think it's going to be a great fit. Um, I'm going to go way off the board here. Uh, and this may come back to bite me in the ass, but uh, the player I think might surprise this year, Yaro Halak. I know that he's older. I know some people are are speculating he's only going to start like 15 games and the Rangers are going to go old school and let Igor start like 65 games this year. I don't think that's happening. Uh, I think with the Rangers kind of being a decent defensive team already, again, remember this, uh, even with, the volume that the Rangers gave up last year and, and the, the heavy work that Igor had in the first two months of the year as they learned the Galant system, the Rangers were actually pretty much a league average team in terms of expected goals against, scoring chances against. It was the offense that g- dragged them down in, in terms of their rankings, you know, the overall kind of expected goals percentages, course percentages, et cetera. It was really a lack of consistent offense, not horrible defense last year that kind of tipped the scales. I think they're going to be a little bit better defensively. I think they are going to have the puck in the offensive zone more. And I think Jarl Halak might have like a Cam Talbot-like uh, backup season uh, like like uh, Talbot did when he backed up Lundquist in 14-15. Um, and I hope he can play 25 to 30 games so that Chesterkin truly can be rested for the playoffs because, yeah, he, he obviously looked great through that whole run other than a couple of games in the Pittsburgh series. But... Now, his clock has started, right? Now, you've gotten into he's played through a, a 100 game NHL season. He may play through another 100 game NHL season, obviously, regular season and playoffs this year and the year after. And, and you, you know what that does to guys' bodies over time, it wears them down, right? So, um, I'm hopeful. And I, I do think that Halak may step in, and, and with the magic of Benoit Allaire, could really be a nice surprise for the Rangers. And this he's year also the got the goalie. backup mindset. He's been a backup,
1: he knows what it's like mm-hmm. to be a backup. And just with that alone, we'll see better performances and more consistent performances from him as a backup than Georgiev, who, by all Mm -hmm. metrics, before he started playing once a month, was a starter. He had the starter's mentality. But once you tell a guy who's who's 25 years old and a starter, oh, you're going to play one game a month? Yeah, that's why he turned in those crap performances, and I think we covered that a lot last year, too, that it it takes a different mindset to be a backup. With Halak, you're getting much more of a guarantee, for lack of a better phrase, that you're going to have, at the very least, a league average performance from him, which is all you need from your backup, league average. And if you get league average, or even a little bit better, Shesterkin may only need to play 55-60 games
0: for the year and keep him fresh. Yeah, I'm hoping they keep that 55 or under, personally. We'll, we'll see how that pans out. All right, so, and then the other part of uh, Mark's question, who are you worried about that might not meet expectations or their potential? <sighs> Philip Hedl. Yeah, I think
1: that's a, I think that's a I pretty good I love Hedl. I really do, and I know the Rangers are going to move on from him this offseason, this coming offseason, and I know— the Rangers are going to regret moving on from him. Hopefully, they get a better return than they did for Buchanevich, but they're going to move on from him, and he's going to go as a 24-year-old center to <laughs> probably to fucking Colorado or something like that. <laughs> and he's just going to put up yeah, 65, 70. He'll points be cheap, easy, and it's all because if you look at his per 60 numbers they are still tops top five forwards amongst the rangers still in his per 60 even strength numbers and the thing holding his gaudy totals back is he has been yo-yoed around the lineup last year was the first year he ever played with somebody consistently that actually had skill with lafreniere and the years prior he was getting you know my grandma on his line you're not going to do well when you have that, and he's still putting up the numbers. So we're putting up per 60 numbers that are good. He's not going to get the ice time needed to put up the numbers that justify keeping him at what's going to be 4000000 million-ish. Rangers are going to move on from him, and they're
0: going to regret it. So with the other interesting part about Hedl is that because of that playoff performance— which I don't even want to look, Dave, but like, what do you think his shooting percentage was in the playoffs? 25, 30 percent, right? Obviously, he got hot. That line got hot. It was awesome to watch. And I'm certainly not discounting it because they, they earned their goals. But now the expectations are raised. People are going to expect that type of performance over 82 games. And look, I mean, I like him, too. And he does have the good rate stats, as you mentioned. But I mean, what, did he have six goals total last year in 60-some-odd in games? I, I, again, don't have those stats in front of me, but he he did not score a lot last year, raw, raw totals-wise. And I think that, you know, you get into the slog of a regular season and, you know, there's going to be a lot of juice on opening night. There will be a lot of juice for the first couple of weeks. And then there's those random games in November on a Tuesday night against the Wild that just are – they're tough to watch. They're boring. It looks like everybody's skating in mud. And those are the types of games that – a guy like Panarin, a guy like Zavranjat, a guy like Kreider pops up and makes the big play, right? Because that's what separates a, a a good NHL team or a great NHL team from an average one over the course of 82 games. I don't know that Heedle's that guy. If he can pull himself out of being an ordinary player, and, and you know, again, that may sound harsh, but um, maybe he can he can put up some numbers. And he, but but again, the expectations are raised now, and people are going to think. They're getting playoff filipedal 82 times, and I don't think that's going to be the case. Now, um, I'm trying to think about who I want to throw out here for a guy who might not uh, hit expectations. It's really a difficult question, so or a good question, I should say. So, so thanks, Mark, for a- asking it. Um, you know, Parm I had another guy in mind
1: that Pum I was going Parker. back and forth with because before I said Hedel. Who? I was going to say, if I didn't choose. Heedle, I was going to say Ryan Lindgren.
0: Yeah, that's a decent one too. But, you know, Lindgren's so hard to assess because he doesn't put up numbers anyway, right? It's so like normally when you talk about – I mean, as long as Lindgren plays a bunch of games and bleeds and, and – <laughs> He's <doesn't>, already bled. <laughs> you know, uh, turn the puck over like, like late stage Dan Girardi. Um, I think most people will, will be very hesitant to blame him for stuff, even if it's not going well, right? Because Lindgren's just one of those guys that everybody loves um, and has that, you know, kind of warrior, gritty, you know, heart and soul guy mentality, which is great. But I think to your point, yes, uh, you know, he has to play like a top pair defenseman because that's what he is now. Um, and, you know, again, if you dig into the metrics and stuff like that, uh, he's going to have to carry his 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 uh, portion of the load there alongside Adam Fox. The reason I said Kako was just, and this isn't even about the healthy scratch during the playoffs, although that certainly is in the back of everyone's mind. To me, it just feels like the writing's on a, on the wall with the trade coming up. And and you know, I feel like if they're going to go out at this deadline, and yes, I'll say it, you know, get Patrick Kane. I don't know that it'll take Kako or he'll probably take one of the two, right? Uh, and they probably won't want to trade from a center depth, you know, from a, a, on the roster center in a trade like that. They probably just give, out, give up the, the high the high pick right wing and, and take on, you know, Kane and, you know, Chicago will retain salary. But I think folks, and I think the Rangers, unfortunately, the only way that they will uh, go away from that plan is if Kako has 20 goals in February. And he's on pace for a 26, 27, 28 goal season. And I don't know that that's going to happen. I just don't know that he's ever going to be that type of player. I love him. I think, you know, the guy that I watched uh, a lot last last uh, playoffs that I thought w- is a perfect, uh, you know, sort of um, comparison for Kako and what Kako can become in the NHL is Valerie Nishushkin, who played on the top line in Colorado and scored a bunch of big goals in the playoffs, but does not have gaudy scoring numbers. But he's just one of those elite play-driving forwards that, you know, always seem to end up on championship teams. And then, yes, they pop up in the playoffs with a big goal here or there. Uh, You know, Kako may be that. Kako might be, like, you know, one of the best players on the team again this year in terms of underlying numbers. He may be one of the best players in the league in terms of expected goal share and all those, you know, fancy stats. But if he doesn't have the goals to back it up and if he's not sort of justifying his second overall pick status, I could see the Rangers moving on from him and I could see him – uh, being someone who kind of falls short of what you know the expectations will be of him this season you know you
1: said something there that piqued my what the what the hell are you talking about which is trading him for Patrick Kane and Patrick Kane is a full no move even at, you don't think that'll happen? I don't think Patrick Kane even costs a first round pick Kane that's why. Literally, yeah. will say, trade me here. And I don't think this is a Marty St. Louis situation where the Rangers have him for another year. This is a pure, I think his contract ends this year, a pure rental. Yeah, it does. So it's very rare we see a pure rental with a no move go for a first round pick, let alone a second overall pick a ninth overall pick, or anything of significant value. I think the Rangers maybe get him. They'll know by the trade deadline whether or not that Dallas pick is going to be a 2023 or a 2024 first. Maybe they'll go that, but I think it's somebody like, I don't know, Will Cooley, who is a good prospect. He's not a top Mm -hmm. prospect. Um Rangers are actually surprisingly thin on defense prospects now. Uh, A Will Cooley type. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go back to him. Maybe a uh, Dylan Garand because they obviously have no use for him right now. He's blocked, but he's a great goalie prospect. Maybe a couple of B prospects. Garand being the Garand and Cooley are probably like B plus A minus prospects. Two of those guys. It's not going to cost the first. I don't think he'll cost the first round pick. And I, he's definitely not costing anybody off the roster.
0: Right. Okay. All right. Well, well, Bears watching for sure. All right. We got plenty of other questions. So let's move on. We'll try and move these through these quickly here. Uh, Bill Tispilk, John Cougar, Colleen Camp, of course. Uh, what should the Rangers theme song be this year? That's a good one. And this is where we really miss Becky. So shout out to Becky, who's, you know, again, uh, on day job duty right now. And unfortunately, night job duty, because it's, you know, almost 10 o'clock at night as we record this. But this is where we need the uh, the Becky input for sure. Because uh, theme song, I mean, I should be able to come up with something clever here. But uh, synapses aren't firing the way they should be right now for me. But you got anything? Yeah, Dave? I'm going to go Gangsta's Paradise. Rest in peace, Coolio. Nice. That's good. Or the Keenan Uh, and Kel theme song, also by Coolio. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, Man. How about. Oh, man, I don't know. I'm just going to be boring. I'm going to say, you know, Levels by Avicii, because that was an old Rangers victory song. And it's uh, 10 years old now. I believe that song came out in 2012. So, uh, and it it is one of our favorites to play uh, when we're watching the Rangers. So, but I think Gangsta's Paradise wins for sure. Um, Okay. Immortal Lou asks, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Jess, uh, Jessica Lynn 312. She has two questions actually. One is for me, Dave. So I'm sorry. It says, which player is Emmy? Of course, that's our daughter, Emily. Uh, Who is she most looking forward to watching this year? Uh, I'm going to say Adam Fox because she has his uh, jersey. Thank you, Jessica, for buying that for her. It looks very cute. We all, I also have a Fox jersey, so we have max, matching Rangers jerseys, uh, which is adorable, of course. Um, and Emily is definitely looking forward to uh, Rangers hockey this year, and hopefully she'll be able to watch some games when they're not on past her bedtime. Um, and uh, this is a good question, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll spend a little time on this one, Dave. Who will you miss the most this season who's not on the team from last year? Uh, And who are you looking forward to on the team? One new player that you're most looking forward to watching. Um, Who will you miss most from last year's team? Obviously, they've lost a few key players. (laughs) Patrick Nemeth. No,
1: no. (laughs) Um, I'm going to go Frank Vetrano. Naturally. I like the shoot first mentality, north-south type of game that Vetrano brought to the team and he was the first guy that Drury brought in at the deadline that got him for nothing and it was just we looked at like okay this is the type of guy the Rangers need somebody who actually shoots the damn puck and he
0: shot the damn puck and it went in a lot I like Frank Vitrata yes and, and they don't they didn't really replace that skill set unless Lafreniere and Orkako and Orkravtsov becomes a shoot-first, like, fire-from-all-angles type of guy, which really none of them are. Uh, that is a missing skill set on this team right now, for sure. So, um, no, I, I like that pick. I was always a big cop guy. Uh, I really, really loved what he brought to the team. He was a point-per-game player over his – I think he had 36 points in 38 games or it was the other way around, 38 points in 36 total games. He was awesome. Um, he was just awesome. Uh, and, and I think he will be missed only for his versatility and, uh, kind of all around really good play, but they are replacing and, or, you know, probably beating that with Trocek. So with that in mind, I'll just answer the, um, I'll answer the other part of the question right away. For me, it's Trocek. I, I mean, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing him play. I think he'll be the type of guy that endears himself to this fan base very quickly, um, he's a low-key pest slash pain-in-the-ass type of player. Um, he's really, really annoying when he's your opponent. I remember not liking him at all when he was on Florida and Carolina. He's, he really pissed me off uh, and is, you know, not—again, he's, he's not on the Marchand level in terms of being a pest, but he certainly is on that spectrum, uh, and I think he'll be a great
1: addition. So, Chorchik is really the only new guy, technically speaking, to the Rangers— um, I, I was gonna say, you know who's not gonna be missed? It's true. Ryan Strom. <sighs>
0: yeah, I know. Even though I always liked Strom, but we don't yeah. need to go there. Right so now. I'm
1: gonna cheat. I
0: ended up, I ended yeah. up appreciating Ryan. I
1: appreciated him, but you know what? Trottik is a better player, not just for overall, but also for the Galant system. Uh, yeah but Hands the down. guy I'm gonna cheat a little bit on this because Trochik is really the only fully new guy on the Rangers this year, aside from Ryan Carpenter, who doesn't count. I'm gonna go Zach Jones and yeah, I think that's good. I am hoping hoping that Galant moves away from what he wants on his third pairing, which is more defensively sound. Low event, just eight minutes and don't screw up and mm-hmm. moves towards oh, maybe these two kids can generate some offense and have a more Adam Fox, Ryan Lindgren kind of pairing, albeit with far with far mm-hmm. less effectiveness because they're Adam Fox and Ryan Lindgren. But but Right. But I don't know if Gallant's gonna do that, and I think Leiber Hayek's gonna get at the very least every other game to start the season. And I'm going to put my head through a fucking wall if that happens.
0: Yeah, and you know, as as uh, our podcast likes to keep it uh, good vibes only or good vibes mostly. Obviously, look if things are going poorly, we will tell it like it is. But I think oftentimes this fan base gets a little bit woe is me even when the team is good. Uh, and we like to stay away from that that said uh, and my point in saying that is I don't want to spend much time on Libor Hayek right now because it's just I think it's way too early in the season for that but I agree with you in the sense that yes there's probably going to be a little bit more Libor Hayek than anyone anyone wants to deal with this year Um, but I think it's going to prove itself again over the course of however many games he gets that he's not actually an NHL defenseman Um, we'll see uh, Zach Jones, though, good answer, Dave. I appreciate that one. All right, let's go. This is the last question we have. It's from uh, Lou, immortal Lou, 30 uh, Underrated storyline or player you're looking forward to watching and isn't being talked about enough? So we kind of went over this, Dave, but, you know, uh, is there an underrated storyline? I think, you know, this is kind of back to the Sammy Blay stuff we were talking about earlier. But is there something else? And I mentioned Halak, too. But is there something else that comes to mind when you talk about something that's maybe underrated or something that's not being talked about enough? Well, with first off,
1: right Lou, we're looking forward to NYR Shock Club restarting this year. I am not partaking. Yeah, the uh, new merch, the merch, new looks, merch great looks great. Too. I am not partaking during preseason because I'm not a psychopath. <laughs> Love you, Lou. <laughs> uh, but underappreciated or underrated storyline uh, I said Blay already I am going to say I mean, how about- Kravtsov and he's going to get top six yeah. minutes and I think power play two will be somewhat viable this year I guess Kravtsov will have 20 goals 50 points especially if he gets time with Panarin Wow, that's pretty Yeah, numbers. But if you looked at how he played in the KHL, people will look at his numbers and say, oh, he did nothing. He was the only guy that could score on that team. And if you watched some of the highlights, he left boatloads of points on the table because his team couldn't finish. Like open net, Ryan Stromed it.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, look, that would be—and and I do agree in the sense that it is a bit underappreciated right now. You know, I think because it's kind of a given he's going to be on the team, um, uh, he's on a one-way contract, right? So they can't really send him down. I mean, I guess they can, but he'd have to go through waivers is how that works, I believe. Um, so, I mean, yeah, he's going to be a ranger. He's on the team, uh, and— so people are kind of like, I think, just being like, okay, we're waiting to see what happens in the regular season. So I think that's a good shout. I was actually going to say, and this is really not a season-long thing or a, because I think, you know, obviously the guy I'm about to talk about is, a, is crucial. He's a linchpin. He's one of the leaders of the team. But let's see if Mika Zibanejad can get off to a hot start because over the last three, four seasons, he has not been able to do that. Now, obviously, he dealt with, <coughs> excuse me, some COVID after effects a couple of seasons ago. But I think last year, he he didn't really get off to a hot start at all in terms of goal scoring, especially it took him a while to get going. Uh, He was not in his usual spot on the power play early in the year, if I remember correctly, and that certainly did not help matters. But, you know, he does kind of, he's one of those guys who, you know, there's always, uh, I think of some baseball players that always have horrible Aprils like always 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 mark Teixeira was like that for the Yankees he was always hit like 180 in April no matter what and then he'd come around and weather got warmer and he kind of became the player you expected him to be meek is <coughs> a little bit of a of a slow starter um let's see if he can shake that off this year uh again I expect fully expect him to be himself uh he's you know he is one of the key uh you know key players on this team he's a He's a bona fide, through and through, you know, bleeds blue Ranger. He's probably going to finish his career a Ranger, uh, given the contract he signed. And, you know, even though that, again, we had some questions about that extension when it was given out. But look, one, one sees don't grow on trees. Yes, that rhymes. I can't believe I said that, but it does. Sorry. I'm um, judging you. But players like him don't. I know that was really bad. Uh, really bad dad, dad Take joke golf at that dad. there. Um, those players don't grow on trees. So, uh, and 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 Mika needs to be a number one center for the next few years as this team contends for a cup. Um, but I do want to see if he can avoid having a slow start.
1: There's also, the also one other storyline that we're not talking about that nobody's talked about, and that's Jacob What's Truba that? in handling the C. Yes, that has been very under the radar. Very true. I think he'll be fine. He wanted the C, unlike McDonough, who didn't want it. Uh, Leach didn't want it. Mm-hmm. I think Truba will be...
0: Yeah, even Yager, Yager didn't I want it. But he, Yager never saw himself a captain. Yager's an alien. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. kind of like Panarin, too. Like, Panarin knows he's not a captain. I know they, get, they he does wear an A, although I don't know if they're going to change the A's up this year now that they have a captain. But, yeah, no, I, I know what you mean, yeah. So, no, they've had very many reluctant captains. Callahan wanted it, and Callahan, Callahan was, was a great, a great captain.
1: captain. Drury was a fine captain. He's always been that kind of leader on the ice, a new age messier, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Rangers haven't had a captain that's wanted it since Cali. So what is that, eight years now? And I'm mm-hmm. I'm really hoping that we don't have 37 A's this year, that naming Truba captain means we'll kind of take those A's down. You know, Strom is gone, so that's 1A out. Truba had an A now he's the C so what we'll get Fox, Zabanejad, Kreider, Panarin.
0: Yeah, and they'll probably two on the road and, to it.
1: And uh, you know what I'm going to I'm going to go off what Valley tweeted one time Ryan Lindgren will have an A this year.
0: Yeah, maybe they give one to Lingren as well. That's a good shout. And honestly, I think if they took it away from Panarin, he wouldn't care. So if the if the four A's are Kreider and Zibanejad, Fox and Lingren, I don't think that you'd get any arguments from anybody in the fan base around. I, I want to have sit down and like have a drink with Panarin. He seems like he's so fun, just enjoying life. <laughs> he really does. He really is. But well, and also though, again, there's another underrated storyline. So Lou, this ended up being a great question. You know how does Panarin bounce back this year? Again, I use the word pedestrian. That I think is the best way I could describe uh, his season last year. Even though he absurdly had ninety six points, he had seventy four assists, um, and uh, you know, is obviously one of the elite playmakers in the game. But by all accounts, he was not himself for large swaths of last season, and and especially in the playoffs. Um, Now, look, if that was 80% of a Panarin season and, you know, the other he was just off for 20%, you know, in terms of he had more to give, then him at 100%, you want to talk about blowing past the 99.5, you know, points, standings points over under. If Panarin turns it on and gets back to that, you know, he's in the Hart Trophy conversation, then the Rangers are really cooking with gas. Then you will see if Panarin's on that type of pace, and they're getting what they would expect from the rest of their top players. Plus, the young guys take a step. Then you will see some of the national media and the uh, analytics folks come around and say, "Okay, maybe the Rangers are for real because there's just too much firepower here not to take them seriously as a contender." Because I do feel like they're on the outside of that conversation. I think everybody's still talking about Colorado, Tampa, Florida, Carolina. Right? Those are the teams that kind of those are the teams that everybody's talking about. Um, as, as in terms of your true contenders this year, so I think the Rangers deserve to be in that conversation. But clearly, a lot of a lot of the uh, national media does not. But if Panarin is on a hundred fifteen point pace and he's an All Star and he looks like the best player on a team full of very very good uh, and quite a few el- properly elite players, then the Rangers are in really good shape this year. So that's that too. is now, an Can we bring story this full
1: line. circle to the first thing, which was the models and? how the Rangers are underappreciated in the models because you brought that up and yeah, the Rangers are a lot of unknowns, but just remember that a lot of these stat guys were betting based off of their models, big money against the Rangers and they lost a lot mm-hmm. of money. Like they had to write stories about how much money they lost because all they, they were taking their own models and betting based off of it like it's gospel. If you're looking at a model and you're not looking at anything else, no nuance, no, oh, what happened after the trade deadline, because after the trade deadline is really what matters, because teams have retooled, they brought in players. If you're not looking at that, if you're not looking at the nuance, you're doing it wrong. There's detail, there's gray area. Hockey is like life. You can't... Only a Sith deals in absolutes. I will do what I must.
0: There you go. (laughs) Uh, Well, on that note, Dave, uh, it's been a great, uh, you know, uh, first episode back. So again, this is uh, episode one of of season three of Live from the Blue Seats. We're going to be coming to you every Thursday. Becky will be on hand. Uh, I'm sure you'll hear from quite a few of the other folks at Blue Seat Blogs. Uh, we'll definitely try and get some uh, special guests on, do some interviews throughout the year. Also, the Twitter spaces were a hit, so we'll definitely try to work a few of those in uh, on Twitter. Just be on the lookout from the uh, Blue Seats Slide account. Um, but Dave, it's been a pleasure, and uh, we'll talk to you Yeah, looking week. forward to
1: it.